Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. And we're here today to talk to you about two different episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. We are in Book 2 Earth. And you know, I say episode, I should say chapter. I think everywhere else it says chapter. Chapters 15 and 16 of Book 2, that is episodes 35 and 36 overall. And these are extremely. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think divisive is the right word. I'm probably just on the wrong side of it. These are both um, heart-wrenching. Uh, yeah, heart-wrenching and very unusual. They don't fit the uh, they don't fit a lot of the common tropes of the other episodes. A lot of the stylistic things. So I think they'll make for really good, interesting podcast episodes. But before we get too far into that, Chris, how you doing? Uh, doing great. A lot of I've been so consumed with Avatar lately, like. Just a lot lately. Um, it's funny you mentioned the the uh, difference between saying episode and saying chapter, uh, because today when I was rewatching these episodes, I was trying to watch. I was flipping back between the DVD and the Blu-ray to see which one had commentary for these two, and neither one did have commentary. Really? I'm just, for that. either of these two? I yeah, I swear that Oppa's Lost Days has commentary. Or um, the episode of Western Air Temple has commentary because they remark on how Apostol's Day won an award for like the humane society, some type of humane societal thing about how it depicts uh, animal cruelty in circuses. And they said that in a commentary, I remember, but I think it was in the Western Air Temple. Um, anyway, but so my point being <laughs> was that on the Blu-ray, you know, you're on the menu, it says episode selection. But on the DVD, it said chapter selection. So, like, no what the kid. Heck? Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that in the DVD. Um, I notice it when I'm searching for the official names on the wiki. Uh, that's yeah. that's that always says chapter. Uh, for what it's worth, I didn't see commentary available on either oh, yeah. one of these. I don't think on the DVD. Um, it's been a while since I watched the Tales of Bossing Say. Uh, but I just watched Appa's uh, like two days ago, and I didn't see commentary. So if that makes you feel any better, uh, I don't know if you're crazy. It could be a Western Air Temple thing. But um, there was commentary for the previous one, and it pops up like after I select the episode. So it's pretty obvious. So uh, mm. I don't think it's on my DVD set, at least. It's yeah. on the long-lost uh, original first edition DVD set that you <laughs> gave away. I'm sorry. Yeah. You lost it. I swear that those had commentary on like 80% of the episodes. The thing is, I emailed um, Adam about it, and uh, he never emailed me back. And he, he probably lost them. He was like, I'm not even going to bother it's telling Chris he, that I lost these. He has twins, and they are extremely intelligent, uh, wise and intelligent beyond their years. Uh, but that you know, also means that they have their hands on a lot of things. Um, so yeah, I can see how you could lose such things, but that's all right. Um, did you ever try Google it just to see like Google, you know, commentary to, on all episodes yeah. or something like that? I tried. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. Avatar fans help us out. If there's, if there is commentary out there <laughs> for, for these episodes or just other episodes, it seems like on the DVDs, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. I don't really notice a pattern or rhyme or reason just, you know, maybe 20% of episodes or something have commentary yeah. maybe not even that much so help us out if there's additional commentary out there uh where are we missing it where do we get it it doesn't seem to be on the normal on the regular uh 
Avatar The Last Airbender trio set that I have, at least. Yeah. Uh, but I have a newer one. I have one in the boring white and orange box yeah. instead of the original. Yeah. Uh, the original yeah. has these like big, beautiful, color-themed um, mm-hmm. sets, books for each one, and they were really nice. I don't have that set. Maybe that's what they're on. Yeah. And granted, I could just be crazy, and sometimes I'm remembering commentary that's not actually there or I'm remembering from different episodes and just because in college i'll just you know watch them all kind of straight through yeah but, just burn through them and oh for uh, runs together. a little yeah a little helpful tent temp that tip that may help you <laughs> is uh you can usually just um select audio and you can get to the commentary oh, so no, if okay. you're like playing the episode you just hit audio until you get to it goes like english spanish french um fluent anyway. and then uh if there is a commentary It'll be like fourth on there of commentary audio English its audio language. Commentary. It's director yeah. language. It's special. And it, and if it's not there, it will just play the regular English, um, yeah. the regular English thing. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's well, and you can do that for really any DVD. I think <laughs> that's kind of cool. I had no idea, but I also have never watched commentary for any other DVD ever. Let that be a testament of praise to Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's the only thing I've ever watched commentary for. In my entire life, I watch commentary. I love watching commentary. I watch commentary for Scrubs. I, uh, you know what? I think you'll have some input on this. I, uh, because it's a topic close to you, I do believe I watched some commentary for The Dark Knight. Um, and they were talking about certain things like Heath Ledger did that were kind of like off script or unscripted. Um, but then, uh, like the iconic The Hospital scene. And like, oh, that was off script and it just wasn't working and button click or whatever. But then I was reading online that like a lot of things like with that as a specific example is sort of manufactured content just for fans yeah. like us and that it's not necessarily true. And that actually, that was like the first time I'd ever watched any commentary. And then I heard that not long after and I don't have any proof one way or the other, but I just remember that being a really big turnoff just thinking that some of that stuff is manufactured. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't think any of the Avatar stuff is because it's a cartoon and they don't throw praise or things like that, right? They're just talking about the episode. So obviously Avatar is a little different in that regard than large cinematic blockbusters. But I don't know. That sort of turned me off on commentary for some reason. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never heard that commentary. I mean, it might've been like a interview or something, but I don't think the Dark Knight has any like commentary for the entire movie. What's the, maybe not commentary, maybe uh, just like the extra behind the scenes. Yeah, behind yeah. the scenes okay. types. That's better. Not commentary behind the scenes. So any extra content, really, I usually avoid almost all of it. I guess is a general rule of thumb. But I try to eat it all up as much you, as possible. I don't blame you. That's you know I'll eat up a blooper reel. That's right up my alley. I, <laughs> even a fake blooper reel, like the blooper reels at the end of Toy Story. I'll watch those all day. <laughs> When Mr. Potato Head pulls out his angry eyes and it's just a pair of shoes, that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever, and that's not even a real scene or a real blooper. I love it. But the thing is, you gotta think about how much money that cost. I isn't that stupid? <laughs> isn't that really dumb? Um Yeah, so I'll watch a blooper reel sometimes. That's about the extent of it. Anyway, that's enough uh, commentary from me about commentary. You don't want to hear that. That's not why you're here. You're here to hear, first of all, about our news. Uh, first of all, uh, Chris made a new friend of the show today. 
Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have a couple unofficial friends of the show. They don't know they're friends of the show, but they're friendly to us. I was to say, so they don't have friends. to know. I think they're friends in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, um, just our hearts, not theirs. Yeah, this was not so new. I've talked to him several times on Twitter. Several times, like we're that close. Anyway, this is uh, Giancarlo Volpe. He is a director on Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's directed several of amazing episodes on the show like it's not like he was just like oh i directed the great divide he might have directed the great divide i don't know nobody would admit easily to that. google that but uh but yeah, he's done a lot of work jane <laughs> <laughs> uh, calavope is a, a great animator uh he's a great director and so i was watching apples all stays i was like man this was like this was hard to watch like i remember actually watching when it premiered because opa has been gone for like such a long time and then you're always wondering, like, where is he at? Where is he at? And then we finally get Opus all stays. He goes through, and we'll get through this episode, but he goes through so much stuff. I'm like, man, this, this is hard to watch. I wonder how hard it was to, you know, direct. And then I was like, who's the director? I'm like, oh, it's Gene Calavope. Let me just, you know, tweet at him. <laughs> Ask him, how hard was this direct? <laughs> and uh, he tweeted back, like, fairly soon within, like, 20 minutes, uh, which I, does, I do really love that about him. He does really get back at fans oftentimes. Anyway, he said... He just pretty much shuts out his emotions when he's directing animation a lot of the time. Uh, I think it's really cool, A, that he interacts with fans at all, because most of them don't. But then, like him, and then even Janet Varney's, I don't respect, I don't remember how yeah. fast she responded to you, but, like, they probably that was get... Quick. Yeah. They, they probably get, it, like, several tweets a day. I'm not, like, celebrity <laughs> status thing, but they wouldn't have... I don't know. I'm very flattered. And it wasn't even too yeah. to you, but I'm still very flattered. And for the record, <laughs> The Great Divide was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. So, um, Giancarlo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. Sorry, I don't know how to say it. Um, I don't. But it was Giancarlo. directed. I think by it is him. Giancarlo. <laughs> we will. Uh, I. I don't even. Gosh, no! It's such an unfamiliar name. Hey, in hey, our part but of the world. he did that. But he did that. Uh, animation that we pointed out you know how it's different for the story the two different stories yeah the really yeah. neat uh kind of cartoony yeah. yeah he didn't write it but he... watch, watch it be aaron e Haas who wrote it no i don't think he wrote it i'm pretty sure it wasn't if aaron we e. keep Haas. talking trash about him he's never gonna come on the show Gosh. No. we're just kidding we love all of your work and every season really? has good and bad episodes and yeah. that's oh so then, yeah, then he says, you know, he said that, uh, you know, he's, he's learned that in animation to just shut his emotions out. And a little bit of Dragon Prince update, newsflash. This is like one of those, like, breaking news. It's not really breaking, breaking. news. Breaking. I wish I oh. could, if I, if I did any editing to this podcast, I'd do like a diddy, 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 diddy. Like, I'm not going to edit it, but you can just use your imagination. Uh, so uh, I asked him back, like, oh, I, you know, I uh, hope that it's, are there scenes in Dragon Prince season three where you had to um, had to completely shut your emotions out? And he says, "Oh yeah." So can't wait for Dragon Prince season three. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to I guess our hearts getting broken one way or another. You so, hear that, Jamie? It's going to be, be all dramatic and emotional, just like you like it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just like you. Just like, like- <laughs> it's kind of harsh. No, that's that's really harsh. I wouldn't say anything. Just just how she prefers her characters, I would say. Um, I think that's a fair statement, Jamie. You can argue with this later if you, if you disagree, but um, I think that's an accurate statement towards her taste in characters. 
Anyways, that's very exciting. Thanks. Mm. Uh, thanks, John, uh, Jean Car- Jean Carlo. I, I think it is John Carlo Volpe. I think we're trying our best, and that's uh, our heart's in the right place. We're trying so our best. We mean no disrespect with our uh, inaccuracies. Chris, what, what videos have you made lately? All right. Uh, Lazy videos have, have a Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans review, which is really not that bad. I don't love either one of those shows, but for some reason when you smash them together, it's a really enjoyable show. Then um, I have a review up of uh, Cannon Busters Season 1, which is uh, an anime that I really enjoyed. It It is like a predominantly black cast, and you don't see that often in anime. You don't see that ever in anime. <laughs> Uh, so, add a review of that. Also, that theme song, the open theme song for that show is amazing, and I love it. I've been listening to that on nonstop. I have another video comparing that theme song to one of the best, if I think it is the best anime theme song of all time, of Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, it's called Smile Bomb. I'm comparing and contrasting um, th- those two themes and which one is better, because, you know, like everything, I break it down and trying to... Uh, quantify the unquantifiable <laughs> and music is probably harder to do that than than uh like television and movies that's probably fair i would say music uh speaks to different different people in so many dynamic different ways that it's probably yeah. harder to quantify uh would you find in so is there such a thing as like western anime specifically like anime created well, either by or for a western audience and then would you say that those tend to be more or less uh maybe character diverse than what i would call traditional like, anime i guess the thing is like anime it's it's to me the definition of anime is it's it's produced and made and for uh, in japan um or in in eastern in asian markets uh, it's like a literal for definition, asian markets i guess and and it's based off a of manga, which is a comic book, but it's backwards. It's usually black and white, and it's usually like one creator. I've so read that's some why Pokemon define... manga back to front. It was very interesting. <laughs> that's why I define anime as okay. Um, and Cannon Busters is created by a Western um, person's created by a black person. Well, the manga. I'm not sure who created the manga, but the producer of the show and the um, showrunner he is black like he's from united states i'm sure and he reduced it but i still consider that an anime because it's based off of like manga but then you have things like the boondocks um which is uses anime style but i don't consider that to be an anime and i'm pretty sure they do all their animation work over in like korea or somewhere in eastern but essentially it's developed i mean it might be animated over there but what you're saying is it's sort of developed here by people from here Very similar to Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Like Avatar is, you know, they they do the directing here, they do the storyboards and everything here, um, but then they get the animation done all over in in, uh, South Korea and stuff like that. So I could say, so Avatar is a cartoon. Okay. Um, Also, if you wanted to be literal, like anime just means cartoon in Japanese. So everything could be an anime. And I'm not into uh, like splitting hairs dividing, but obviously there's uh, enough style similarities that I that I see certain things, and I'm like, I think that qualifies as anime in my head. Uh, you know, even like yeah. Avatar, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of anime-ish. That's yeah, an official to me, term, anime-ish. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I don't. Yeah, I don't care which way or the other. It's a when I was a kid, it was a cartoon. Came on tsunami. Cartoon. It was a cartoon, and I watched it, and I. 
<laughs> enjoyed it. At so. least manga, there's a distinction. Like manga, it's like, yeah, I, I suppose you would assume that has to be read in the opposite direction. And maybe I'm sure there's exceptions to that too. But like, that's kind of a nice basis for a uh, basis for definition, at least. And I, I'm, I was not joking about those Pokemon ones. I really did read them, and I liked them. <laughs> it was very entertaining to try to read back to front. Very habit. You know when something doesn't feel uncomfortable, but it just feels wrong. Uh, like if you like if you fold your hands the other way, like cross your fingers the other way than you normally do, or cross your arms the opposite way. That's what it felt like to read that book back to friends. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but it feels wrong. It was interesting, but huh. thanks for that breakdown. I needed to educate myself, and I might have interrupted your discussion of other videos though. Yeah, potentially. I- no, that was it. Oh, I'm that's currently it. editing okay. a video of a of a review of Demon Slayer anime. Okay. Um, which is, so Demon Slayer is a really great anime. Sean, you should watch it sometime, even though you're behind. Like, I am very behind. I yeah. <laughs> have I mentioned before? I'm not behind I, on Demon Slayer. You're behind on watching anime. I'm behind. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm behind <laughs> in general. I or just in life. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. I think. Yeah, I'm always like two steps behind. <laughs> Uh, probably farther in TV. Did I mention that I love football? And also, you know what? My wife loves football. And so it's very, uh, we enable each other to watch more football. Mm-hmm. There is literally football on in our house five nights a week. And that is not an exaggeration. We dig it a lot. So it's worse if your wife likes whatever it is you like in terms of the amount of time mm-hmm. you dedicate to that. So uh, Heather, if you're out there and you can hear me, it's kind of her fault. She's not watching football currently. It's only Tuesday. We're recording a little early. But um, on my side, I just I don't have any exciting news. Uh, but I do have a tidbit is that I'm going to collaborate with a guy, a local guy from Kansas City, that he has a video game podcast that is uh, relatively popular in terms of podcasts, I guess. And uh, he wanted some help doing some video editing. And he has seen some of our videos and asked me if I would help. And I was like, I don't really know how to edit. Uh, but maybe between the two of us, we can figure something out. So that's pretty exciting, and I'm looking forward to that and talking about it. But that's probably enough excess stuff. We have two episodes to cover today. We have Tales of Bossing Say yes. and Appa's Lost Days. So I think it's probably time we go ahead and jump into the episode uh, episodes, starting with the first one, Tales of Bossing Say. Again, if you notice the theme about this, an overarching theme about this podcast, is that both of these episodes are just uh, quite a bit different from any other episodes, really, to this point, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, Chris, do you care to start us off with the tales of Ba Sing Se? Tales of Ba Sing Se. Uh, so <laughs> this is the tales of like all the individual people, and we'll just kind of go through. So the first one is a tale of Toph and Katara and Ba Sing Se. I do like this opening, like people getting ready. I love seeing characters just do normal everyday things like Sokka shaving, Aang shaving his hair, which is like, oh, Aang. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, you see bald. both of them do shave it and that's like not I don't think we've ever seen him shave before. That's kind of fun. Yeah. He's the uh, avatar, Katara, but he's still got to do some self-maintenance. Exactly. Uh, Katara gets her hair loopies ready and then uh, checking on Toph and Toph just looks a wreck. Like, oh, it's great. <laughs> it is great. Um, and she just has dirt all over her. And, uh, and Katara, you know, Katara um, tries to get them to go out and 
to have a, just a girl's day out, just a spa day. And I love this story, too. Like, there's some of these stories, I can kind of take it or leave it. But this is a story that I actually really like. This is some great you know, womanly uh, bonding. And not necessarily, you know, for these two, you know, they, I feel like they bond on the battlefield. They have a, you know, respect for each other. Um, but they don't really, like, get along in, in kind of other areas. So this was a really nice episode. Um, so they go to the spa. Toph doesn't like it. I like how Toph is hesitant even to begin with, as if Toph has dealt with, with people and, you know, and judging her looks or, or at least holding looks to a... Um, to a high high standard, and I think with Katara, you know, she's open to it because it's Katara. And and Toph is doing all this. Is she's got like pig pen waves of like pig pen from Charlie Brown, like like a just like an yeah. aura about her kind of. Uh, it's beautifully animated, and I use beautifully describing the animation, yeah. not Toph, because it legit looks pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to hold back my feelings on the individual ones. I think until the end, like my like my individual feelings, uh, maybe until the ratings, or I don't have to. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But uh, might be fun at the end to discuss like which ones we like best and worst when we give the yeah. ratings. Of the... Okay, that's very late uh, for suggestions. Now that we're literally talking <laughs> about it right now, uh, I'll bring that up sooner next time that there's a weird one-off episode. <laughs> Um, so so they go to the spa, and they have they have a really good time at the spa. It's really it's really nice. And then you know they get all makeup up on and everything. And then Katara, uh, these these high uppity, I don't like to curse all of them. These high uppity bitches. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because we're using this to describe people in a in a children's like a Nickelodeon cartoon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna I'm not gonna say Chris called them. I will agree. I'll call them uppity bitches also. It's just it feels uh, it feels good. I think, call it, call it I think what that's it the is. first time I called I think that's the first time I called any anyone a bitch, no matter even if they're fictional or real. So that's interesting. So here's the first I'm At least they are fictional. Person. Don't call real people yeah. bitches. I'm glad yeah. your first ones were fictional. Yeah. That's fine. And they deserve it. They do. <laughs> Listen, I anyway, know the makeup of... was laid on just a little thick. I it was kind of I intentionally so, but yeah. Chill out girls. But still they look they look nice. Um they make fun of they make fun of specifically they make fun of Tov, saying that she looks like um maybe a clown. They say that she looks like I don't, it's I like think the it is a clown that they dressed up their they dressed up their monkey poodle or yeah, something. Yeah, that's like, what it coat. is. And uh, and Toph like laughs about it, and then playfully laughs about it, and then like Earth bends his bridge underneath into the water, and then Katara comes in, and like along with her, like you would think that Katara's gonna hold her back. Katara's like, no, they deserve it. She I totally did them, think like, she's gonna hold her back. Yeah, <laughs> and they, she water bends them down the drain, and this is before this moment. Like this tale is okay to me, but then it gets really good because. You know, Toph opens up. She's like, you know, being blind, I never had to worry about how I look. I never had to worry about appearances. Uh, I don't care who I am as long as I'm... I don't care how I look as long as I'm confident in myself. Great, absolute great moment. And then I love how Katara replies to her. It's like, you are right, but 
I want you to know that you really are beautiful. And, and you know, and Toph says, oh, thank you. And, and I love this Toph's reply. It's like, Pure I would Toph. tell you you're beautiful too, but I have, I have no idea how you look. <laughs> it's <laughs> it it's appropriate and pure Toph. Yeah. And well delivered. Yeah. Um, probably yeah. the and last note. One of the reasons. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was like, and I feel like I'm talking a lot about that. Tell anyway. One reason why I love that moment is that Toph knows when people are lying, right? Like, Katara isn't trying to like cheer her up. I mean, she sort of is, but she's not. Um, she's not patronizing her. Like, oh, Toph, you're cute. Like, sure, you're you're beautiful. Yeah, no, yeah, she's you, being you honest. look great. And, yeah, yeah. Like she's honest and sincere, and Toph can sense that. So, like, I'm sure throughout Toph's life, no one has told her that she was. No one has encouraged her the way that Katara encourages her, and she can tell that Katara is absolutely honest and truthful about it. So that must mean a lot to her. Like, oh, I really am pretty. Like, I didn't know that. Like, she has a new sense of self. I'm sure she has been told before that she looks good in a in a like a maintenance way, uh, you yeah. know, wealthy background, uh, high society, all that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but not just sort of at a at a pure level. So it felt really nice. I was yeah. like blushing for her. It was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I really uh, the other individual moment that I like in this one is when they uh, they're going to massage Toph's feet, and she's like, "Don't touch my feet." And then the next scene. <laughs> They're like holding her back, and like it's not a pet egg, but it's the same idea. It's one of those like an exfoliator thing or something. I don't, it could be like a chisel. Yeah. I don't know. And they're just oh, it, hacking it away at her nasty. I mean, I've done that to my feet before. It pretty much just scrapes the dead skin right off. I'm really ticklish. They tried to do it to mine. I, did, I, I didn't make it. I'm very ticklish. But uh, they're like holding her back, and then she ends up earth bending one like through a wall for trying to scrub yeah. her, her nasty feet. But hey, you know what? She needs those feet to, to do a job. So. Uh, and that's tale number one, and it's a very uh, emotional way to start the episode. Good hook. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a they, they start. I think they start off very solid here because uh, the next one is the tale of Iroh. Get heavy real and quick. It is. Yeah, but it starts off so so unassuming. Like yeah, Iroh, he goes, has no idea. Iroh goes to the market. Yeah, he goes to the market. He's just having a, a nice day. Get some flowers, um, and then quickly the shopkeeper guy is like, "Oh, you want a romantic one? Get this flower." He's, like, "Oh no, it's not romantic, but it is a special occasion." And like, I really wish I could remember what I was thinking when I first watched this episode. Like, oh, I wonder what special occasion he's talking about. I couldn't remember at first. Just you know, it'd been a while since I watched this episode, um, and this, like, I, I just didn't remember right away. It was probably three or four minutes into this tale so most of the way through before i was like yeah so if it tells you anything um caught me off guard too because it's such a chipper kind of uplifting vibe at first yeah yeah he goes throughout his day very unassuming he um he cheers up a little boy by singing um leaves from the vine and he sings it in this like cheerful manner like with a little like guitar thingy and the little boy stops crying great moment um, he helps some kids <laughs> play earthbending soccer because they, they punch a hole through this guy's window and the Iroh you know, tries to tell them like, you know, admitting to wrongdoing is a sign of honor and then he sees this big guy's like, well, not today, and they all run 
Spyro's favorite individual moment, yeah. Spyro quickly runs to the guy who's trying to mug him. And then he disarms him very quickly. And then he pretty much tells him, like, you're trying to rot me? Like, with that stance? Like, you're not, you know, you're not... You don't have a strong footing here. His like, feet are like go. turned in, like in a way so unnatural that I tried to replicate it and I couldn't do it. Like I can't even yeah. stand. So, thanks for the help. I think I the guy just something. naturally bow-legged, but yeah, could be. Yeah, maybe not. Cause, I mean, Iroh's straightened out. Yeah, he's probably just. But, I mean, you know, no a little, one little better posture and stuff. Even if you're bow-legged, yeah. just better posture. Yeah, will go a long way. Yeah. But it was a, a right. nice gesture, and then. Most importantly, he's like, hey, and you don't really look like the mugging type. And you have a nice conversation. Yeah, what do you want to be again? A masseuse? I don't remember what he says. I know it kind of tied into something. But, uh... Yeah, I think it was a masseuse out of, out of everything. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look it up later. I, yeah, now I can't but, remember. Uh, but I know it's like he, he does give off a very uh, innocent uh, innocent vibe, I guess. Yeah. And I love the line, some more Iroh wisdom. You know, the guy says, like, man, no one's ever believed in me before. Thank you. Iroh says, you know, while it's very important to have confidence in yourself, getting some, or having belief in oneself, getting some encouragement from others can be a great reward or get a great blessing. That's what he says. Um, Iroh just spitting knowledge and wisdom. That is not the quote I chose for the end of episode quote, but that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then, and the day finally ends. He he walks up to up to a uh, to a hilltop. Beautifully done scene. Just the cinematography on there is absolute gorgeous. Takes out a picture, or he first lights the the incense or the whatever it is. And he puts a picture of Lutin and says, "If only I could have saved you." Like, oh my. Gosh, and then he sings Leaves from the Vine, but this time it is so different. It's a dramatically different song now. To where, like, before you think it's like, oh, it's just a nice little, you know, chummy song, you know, about it's a boy marching home song, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then here, just like, no, this is a song about a boy going off to war, being lost in a sea of, of chaos and and war and killing and violence and not returning home or trying to return home. Uh, and he says, you know, if only I could have saved you, Lieutenant. Ah, so, so good. Like, I was watching this with my daughter and she was like, who is that? And I was like, oh, that's his son. His son died in the war. And I tried to explain to her, like, everything. <laughs> um, but uh, She's yeah, level-headed. Just, she can take it. Yeah, yeah, she can take it. But I mean, just just the, just how they juxtapose the song earlier with how they did it here is just a magnificent job done. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like in Coco, how you can have the same song and have two completely different meanings when sung by different people. Uh, so the song "Remember Me," so like the original guy, I forgot his name, who was. Have you seen Coco? Mm-hmm. I like Coco a lot. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I, yeah, I love Coco. Anyway, the the guy who's like the big Elvis type of person who sung "Remember Me," like "Remember Me," even when you travel far, to remember. But he sung it very up top, very very. Yeah, it was pop. Or, it was like pop music. Yeah. So, you think it's more like it's a song to a girl 
and he has to like go off. But then um, Coco's father sings it, and it's more like "Remember me." I have to say goodbye. Like it's more like "Remember me." I have to leave you now, um, my dear. You know, love. Don't let it make you cry. Like the two songs have two completely different meanings. But and I love that movie a lot. So any chance I can reference that movie, I will try to. This feels wildly inappropriate after something so touching, but just the other day somebody tagged me in uh, a guy after Friends got taken down from Netflix. There was a video going around of a guy that played the Friends song in a minor key, and so it's and then he slows it down real bad, and it sounds really depressing, and it's kind of impressive. <laughs> Same concept, less touching than your story, but worth, worth a watch. No, no, it's not worth a watch. Just go watch Coco instead. Same point, better description. <laughs> Or better demonstration, but yeah, it's cool. You just flip flip it to the minor key, and boom, depressing. Um, yeah, that one, and it, again, it kind of comes out of nowhere because up until the very end of that uh, tale, so to speak, there's nothing even suggestively sad <laughs> about it. Yeah, and then he gets up to that hilltop and get a whole lot of like Iro development with very few words. Yeah. Great, great moment. Yeah. Uh, next up is the tale of Aang, and pretty much Aang makes a zoo. Yeah. Aang acts stupid and then rectifies it, kind of. He Not kind yeah. of, he does rectify it with some good fortune and a, and a lucky break. Yeah. That's, that's essentially the story. I really have nothing else to add. So, I mean, he goes to the zoo asking if, like, Looking for Appa, essentially. And he ends up making a zoo. And it's, but, you it's, know, he's never he never thought about who's gonna upkeep the zoo. Like now the zoo's much bigger, like this guy has to hire more people. Like, geez, I mean, just think through these things. I think that anyway, the, I'm kidding. No, I mean, but I think in short this is probably the least uh the least deep or even impactful of the stories, probably. Um, I mean, you can probably find meaning in, but what I mean, it essentially amounts to he's walking through the real zoo, and animals look depressed, and he's uh, he's like, hey, we need to get these animals out the gates to some grass, and guys like, how are you going to do that, the zookeeper? He's like, don't worry, I'm great with animals, and then it cuts to the next scene where the animals are just causing all this horrible destruction, which Aang never has to answer for, by the way, and that makes me really mad. Um, and then he essentially tries to rally them all up, and he uses the bison whistle to get them all outside the gates. And then Earth bends a nice big zoo outside. So it's it's a maybe a cute story at best, but probably the least meaningful here, I think. Yeah, yeah. So the next one is the tale of Sokka. He uh, he just walked around throwing his boomerang. Um, and he ends up <laughs> just doing warrior stuff. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he ends up in a poetry haiku class, and he has like pretty much a rap battle with the head teacher there. And I think that's you know is really impressive. The one thing flowing like freestyling is hard to do. Like I couldn't imagine if like rappers nowadays had to not only freestyle but had to like keep their syllables. <laughs> just yeah, the perfect it's a new amount. element in there. Like, you don't just have they to, have to rhyme. Do a haiku. Coming up with the syllables on point, that is that is a new level of slam poetry right there. When you got to yeah. count your haiku syllables, I'm pretty sure Common, uh, the rapper, is it Common? I'm pretty sure he has a song where he does a haiku in it. I'm pretty sure it's not a freestyle. That is 
it's impressive. You can't like you gotta be on beat. No you gotta, <laughs> it's, it's so many layers. You've there. got to be on. Damn it! Already lost it. See, it's no good. And it's harder than it looks. <laughs> See if we can do haikus are hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they can be very. I'm just saying the same thing again. Anyway, yeah, I can't <laughs> harder. <laughs> See, boom. See, we can't do it. We tried. We gave it our best. Yeah. Our attempt at a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> give us, give us time. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it. Oh. Yeah, I, I think this episode goes like it. It kind of adds a little more dimension to Saka that he is, you know, he's very scholarly. Like he is a natural talent at at things that requires um, some knowledge and and some thinking. So I think it informs the character of Saka a little bit more. Also, that he ends up <laughs> ends up uh, getting kicked out of the class <laughs> because he had one syllable too many. I just like when he's counting them, like. I am not in. Oh no, that's not the one. I forget Saka. which one it is that does it. And it's a, before my the name bouncer. is Saka. My name is Saka. It rhymes with Aka. Young ladies, I. I'm gonna rock ya or something like that. I think it's I rock ya. Yeah, it was sits. Yeah. And then the bouncer, which by the way, their slam poetry class. It's not a slam poetry that's, class. Their their poetry class has a bouncer. And that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's really all that Sokka's happens in his. You don't get much. You just you see a different side of Sokka that still fits within his uh, fits very neatly within his character motif, but you get it from a different 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 angle. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to the tale of Zuko, and I, and I really liked this one, um, and in this episode. Zuko actually goes on a date with Jin. That's her name. Jin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks him out. She's like, she's she's pretty excited. She's very straight. She's very straightforward with Zuko. Like, <laughs> she asks, she knows asks her fire nation. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and Iroh is really trying to encourage Zuko to go on this date and everything. Even trying to encourage Zuko to to find happiness for a while. It really reminds me a lot of Alfred and Batman. Like Alfred oftentimes would be like, please just go out with so-and-so. You guys might actually hit it off. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know how quick you came up with that comparison, but that's solid. I like that. Like not just in this episode, but kind of, kind of in general. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I actually like just now thought about that. Hey, that, no, that sounds like a video. Write that down quick. That's <laughs> sounds like future content. <laughs> um, yeah, because in the Dark Knight Rises, like Batman's investigating Catwoman stealing something. He's like, "How about you two go out and <laughs> zone?" So, which they do end up together. See, Alfred knows. Alfred knows. Oh, I love that. I love the ending of that movie. Anyway, Bruce Wayne finally finds happiness. I like the ending. Ending. I like the ending of that movie as an ending to the trilogy. I don't like necessarily the ending to the story presented in that movie i don't hate it okay. that's fine that's a different topic for a different day yeah great, um, great ending to yeah, the trilogy so, though yeah so they go on the date and zuko is doing terrible on this date like he comments that she has great gusto for a girl her age because she eats like <laughs> a lot of 
food, apparently. And uh, he tries to juggle, and that doesn't happen well. Date's not really going anywhere. Then, you know, she tries to add a little something to it, takes takes to go to her favorite spot, a fountain that's usually lit by, like, many, many candles, and she's kind of disappointed. Like I said before, she's very aggressive with Zuko. Like, there's quick hand-holding, quick arm-holding. I don't know if they just do that, you know, type of stuff, but I remember my first date with my wife. I don't think there was a lot of hand-holding. Not like that, yeah. Anyway. Well, and I would also say that, like, you mentioned the date's not going anywhere in very clear fashion, but she's just, like, given, you know, second and third chances yeah. uh, in very surprising fashion. Like, are there not a lot of boys your age around, or, like, what's what's your deal? Because he's not doing well. Like, he doesn't deserve these chances in this very specific instance, but she's she's going to keep giving him shots. So, yeah, no, I do. Yeah. I went. I'm I'm a touchy feely guy, and on my first date with my wife, I definitely did not hold her hand or anything. <laughs> and I'm pretty um, like I am pretty like I don't know touchy feely. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> it sounds bad. Um, think think oh, of a better God. word. Let's just use this podcast to talk about our first dates Let's, with our wives. Yeah, so. you guys want to hear that stuff, right? Um, I'm sure the only person that want to hear about that stuff is our wives, and I'm sure that neither one of them listens to this podcast, so we can probably skip it. Yeah, 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 I'll skip. Um, so she takes them to the fountain, and to her uh, dismay, the candles are not lit, and Zuko says, close your eyes, and he, you know, he fire bends at them. Which I do like that Zuko is doing very controlled firebending here. Yeah, like it's very delicate. Was firebending. Or, uh, precise. Very precise. Yeah, very precise. Like, and he's doing it with his two fingers. Usually Azula like, is just bending with her two fingers when she's so precise also. So great firebending by Zuko here because he could have easily just burned down those little candle holders. Um, and she opens her eyes and like, oh, how did you do it? And everything. Um, which we've talked uh, about this before just how she's either like knows that he's a fire nation doesn't care or she is just like an idiot who's just like just I want to see completely I, I want to see the best in this person I think the best case the worst case scenario is that she's really negligent like she knows that he's fire nation and she feels like she should report it and she's like no nah, because I like him the best case scenario is that she's like uh, she's like uh, I don't know if enlightened is the right word, but like, hey, he's Fire Nation, but he's probably a refugee, and he's probably not a bad guy, and I'm an open-minded person who can see past political differences. I'm going to give her that, uh, even though there's no no (laughs) evidence to suggest that. I'll try to see the best in her, and not just that she's an idiot or negligent. Maybe it would be, like, funny. Maybe it wouldn't be funny, but if she was, like, a secret spy for Jet, and she's like, ha-ha, gotcha! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you did it. You firebended. He jumps There's off no the way around. somewhere and is like, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Smeller B comes out of nowhere. Like, Jet was right. It would have been Hashtag really easy to right. tail him on this date, too. Like, it, it was sort of publicly announced in the shop, and, like, they're yeah. not discreet about where they're going. <laughs> and I... Yeah. Just, just, like, just, just like, okay, you need to go in there every day so he knows who you are. Infiltrate him in the uncle. That would you know, explain why she keeps giving nice. him more chances. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> is this? So this is not head cannon. This no, is, this 
this completely contradicts the strictly fan fiction. But I'm gonna say it's headcanon because I like it. <laughs> it's, I find it amusing, so I'm gonna run with it. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, but maybe, like, but maybe because like maybe because Jet was locked up, she's like, eh, you know what? I'll keep trying to date this guy. Um, <laughs> it's kind of fun. He looks cute. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. So anyway, she then says, "I was surprised for you." She kisses him. He kisses her back. He leaves because he's confused about XD, life in general yeah, i think I, uh, I, th- I think i would have liked a little bit more detail into that like what if zuko is left because he's like i don't know what the heck i want like i don't like he is now getting acclimated into earth kingdom he's you know finding a girl and everything living the life of a commoner but like does that conflict with his self-image um they don't go into you know but i think that's what's going on in there Seems pretty reasonable to me. And it's yeah. funny, like, for a commoner, but, like, they still, they clearly own a successful tea shop. Like, even even when put in well, such an adverse... I don't adverse... think they... I don't think they're owners at this point. They're in their own now, right? No, I don't think they're... Still in the other one? No. Okay, I lied. Never mind. No, they're not owners. Yeah. Okay. Well, eventually, they become small business owners. Spoiler. So, <laughs> point being that even in such an adverse situation, that, like, he still manages to distinguish himself. But I'm apparently jumping again. Yeah. I'm probably jumping again. But uh, uh, the ending but I to do this love... one is its best. Oh, go ahead. Is its be- I, I think the ending to this tale is its best uh, feature, if for, so to speak. Mm-hmm. When he so he gets back home, and he like slams the door on Iroh. I don't remember if Iroh had even said anything yet. Like, how was your date? And then he slams the door, and then he like cracks it back open. And he's like, it was good, or it was nice, or something like yeah. that. And then he closes cool. it back. Yeah. Like, much more calmly and yeah i think i think there's some great voice acting by dante bosco here yeah. like to say like it was nice like he says it in a way that's like it's it's like, like it's kind of like a young he's kind of like, like guilt guilt ridden felt... that it's so nice but he's also happy that it was nice yeah. there's just some weird emotions going on there i think dante bosco does a great job of voice acting. There. You felt like you were listening to an actual teenager and not uh, an insane, deranged yeah. psychopath. Like, there's an actual confused teenager with a lot of mixed emotions in that. And in that three words, I can count that in haiku form. In those three words, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of feelings, and they did a great job. Yeah. She, uh, this character Jen, does come back in a comic book that takes place between book two and book three. Um, it's not a big comic book or anything but she does make another uh it's when it's may and zuko her out on a date and they kind of come in contact with her i need to read it because i haven't read it in a while so i kind of forget what happened but also maybe she's the mother of izumi i don't know we'll see i'm working on the video on it i mean i do have a very strong opinion jin or or may (laughs) jin or may or maybe someone else huh I'm curious. I'm excited to find out. And I have no opinions as this falls up. <laughs> this falls within the touchy feely realms of, of sentimental things that I don't touch in my in my television shows. So I'll take your opinion, whatever it is. Um No, that'll be fun to hear. Alright. I did enjoy the Sokka Toff video. I thought that was a lot of fun. But um, it'll be in that yeah, that vein. Really, really touching into what I what I would consider otherwise 
I don't know. It's probably the most divisive. Like if you're into it, then it's probably really entertaining to you. And if you're not, then it's probably really dull. But it, it, everyone would agree it has a really nice ending. Well, I think everybody should agree that it has a nice ending. Speaking of endings, we got the last tale of the episode. The last one is a tale of Momo. He kind of goes out. I feel like he's looking for Appa, and that's that's really sweet. I think it's um, sort of pretty implied much... pretty strongly, right, that he's looking for Appa? Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah he's definitely for Appa now, I think about it. Um, he runs into some dog panther thingies. I don't know what they are, but they're mm-hmm. scary dog uh, monkeys. And they're part monkey. Maybe... I... Maybe a monkey. I don't know. They look they so. look scary though. I think is that's yeah. all you had to get across. They look scary. Yeah. Uh, Momo gets in a fight with them. Then they all get captured by some guy who I think is going to cook them. So I think so too. Actually, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't, that's a lot of weird I don't, stuff. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how uh, PC that is, but uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they just got an award from. Some high prestige. No, no, they hadn't got it yet. That's the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. they redeemed themselves in that one. um, Momo does easily free himself because he has opposable thumbs. Uh, (laughs) And he also frees. Never been so grateful for those opposable thumbs. Yeah, he also frees the pen things. And they all are really cool and friends. And they go off. And uh, one of them, yeah, Momo has like a aqua's fur around him. Uh, and one of them steals Oppa's fur because they're much better at tracking than Momo is. And it tracks it to this paw print that looks like... And Momo doesn't get the hint that they're trying to help him out, which is kind of sad. Like, they went through this whole thing with each other. Um, Still not quite speaking the same language, but... Yeah. He gets the point eventually. It just takes him a sec. And then uh, Momo does land in this paw print of, of Oppa, but it's just one paw print. And... That doesn't come into play until the next episode. So. Uh, Momo's, Momo's tale is certainly the least uh, taily, right? It just almost more. Or maybe it's the most taily with all these tales. It has. That's true. It's <laughs> literally the most taily, uh, but figuratively, it feels more like a segue than a tale. And not that that's a slide. It, you know, just uh, a nice transition yeah. into where we're going next. So, um, not as much meat or content there, but. Uh, you know, feels the end of the episode. Nice to see Momo. Nice to see somebody's out looking for Appa. Jeez, you monsters out there making zoos. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell which one I like the least, but anyway. Um, so again, though, not really too much to Momo's other than uh, he's kind of on his search for Appa and does uh, get on the trail at the end in a good way. And with that, I think we'll go to ratings, unless there's anything else you'd like to call out on this one. Sure. Uh, let's go to ratings. All right, my rating, audiovisual, a nine. I know that seems really high, because there's really, like, not any action or anything here. It's really even, uh, visual-wise, there's not that much stuff going on. But, Tale of Iroh, on top of the hill, singing Leaves from the Vine, that visual is beautiful with that sunset. So that alone kills it for me visualize. And then the audio, I mean this episode has Leaves from the Vine, a song that is just amazingly written by Michael D uh, Michael Dante D. Martino, who's a co creator of Avatar. 
I tried to look up the meaning of the song. I tried to look up everything I could about the song. Pretty much only found that it was written by him. Um, didn't find anything else beyond that and the lyrics. And it was uh, composed by Jeremy Zuckerman, who is the composer on Avatar. And of course, it is voiced by Mako. Oh, and we should mention this episode ended with a uh, memorial dedication to in honor of, of Mako, who is the voice actor of of uh, of Iroh. He's also the voice actor of Master Splinter. No kidding. And and one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. The newer ones. I think it's no, not the newer ones. I think it's. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly what it is. But he voiced Splinter in one of them. That's fun. Um, he also voiced Aku and Samurai Jack. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ooh, sorry. Uh, but no, you're um, So that alone carried this audio visual for me to a nine. All the other episodes, there wasn't that much there. So uh, story got a nine. Also, pretty much for the same reason. <laughs> tells tell of Iroh bumps this way up. I do. I did still really enjoy uh, Zuko's tale and Katara's tale. That increased those. I thought there were some great character moments in those. So this one got a nine. Memorable, a ten, all because of Tale of Iroh. It's it's pretty, pretty much that simple. Tale of Iroh carries this episode. It's the reason that you watch this episode, I think. Yeah. So 9.2, that feels high. It is high because it's a great episode. That is very high. Um would you care for me to share where that's at on your current list of this episode, of this season, or do we just that's um, that's a teaser, that's you know, number one. just a teaser. All right, yeah. We listen to our episode <laughs> between seasons where we get to our top fives, and you'll find out where it lands. I had different feelings. <laughs> okay, just remember no, it's, though, it's that, fine. like, yeah, sevens. That's these are not bad. Bad is is twos and threes and fours, and I don't give those out. Seven. Uh, I just tried to kind of quantify it. It's like the, the majority of this episode is nice things, but there's also some stuff that just doesn't do much for me. Uh, there's a few really strong parts that carry it through. Nothing wrong with the seven. There's a lot of different music in this episode. Um, we usually don't get this kind of dynamic of sounds and noises and music and things, so that's kind of cool. Story, same way. The the majority, good, but there's also a lot of... Feel- I don't care for Aang's at all. Momo's really isn't a story. Um, you know, Sokka's is neat but again not even super developmental but in general it's a seven nothing wrong there uh memorable still a 10 um i would say that i generally don't don't love this episode but i'll never not watch it as i'm watching through uh just because it's unique and it's different and you got the tale of iroh is obviously very important and i would agree that uh i don't know how you feel like i don't necessarily love zuko's um, I do really like how it ends. I think that's cute and insightful. And I also really like Katara and Toffs at the beginning. That's kind of a... I don't know. It, it doesn't really have much meaning, but it's just really cute. So long story short, I'll never not watch this one, even though it's probably not my favorite. Uh, it's just neat and fun. And so that came out to a 7.9. Brings us to an <laughs> 8.5 in the middle. Okay. It's probably the highest. It's one of the highest discrepancies we've had. But it's, uh, honestly, this is one that I understand because I was, you know, really holding Tell to high uh, regard. It's a divisive episode among other people, too. I would say more people like it than don't. 
I, if I had to say such a thing, but I think it's pretty divisive out in the rest of the world too. So, um, brings it out to an 8.5. Again, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, I expected that one to be divisive. That brings us to Appa's Lost Days. Directly follows, um, in episode sequence, but I think in real time, it jumps back to when Appa was originally captured. So you kind of step backwards into time a few episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it picks right up when they're sort of tying him down outside the library. Am, am I mistaken? Mm-hmm. That sounds yep, right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode is actually the longest time span episode, according to which that makes sense. Because most episodes span sure, like yeah. a day or, or two, and this one spans four weeks actually. Um, That's such a long time. Yeah. Oh, you know, I forgot. I forgot to tell a random joke from the previous episode that my daughter mentioned. Uh, real quick, when when uh, when Zuko gave uh, Jin the coupon for the tea, she says, "Oh, that's sweet." My daughter goes, ha, 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 "That's funny." And I was like, "Wait, is she understanding puns right now?" She's like, "Yeah, because tea is sweet." I was like, "I'm so proud of you." <laughs> She's knocking uh, it out of the park. I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm so proud. Yeah, so back to Office Lost Days. <laughs> yes. It starts off um, right outside the library. It pretty much just uh, documents just the just the lows and lows and the slight highs that Oppa went on this whole entire time. Mostly and lows. <laughs> mostly lows. A lot a, of lows. There's a moment or two, but... Yeah, uh, like, cool I was, like I was saying, cool tie-ins all over this episode, though. That's kind of interesting highs, I guess I would call them. Neat tie-ins to other things. Yeah. Yeah, um, and like I was saying before, this episode was hard to watch, especially when it first premiered, because I think we go like six months in between when Oppa was first taken and when they first were reunited with Oppa, and. So it must have been probably about four months in between when this was aired. So when I when I saw Office Lost Days, that's the title, I thought, oh, finally we're gonna we're gonna get Oppa back. And this episode, like it it gives you that that optimism like a couple different times. Like, okay, finally Oppa's gonna be back. And it takes it away. <laughs> and it and it just takes it away. Squashes so this episode was dreams. Yeah, it was really hard to watch. And apparently according to Giancarlo Volpe, it was very uh, I guess it was easy for him to write because he so just he shut himself off emotionally. No, just... <laughs> uh, by emotionally removing himself, though, it allowed him to create a more dramatic piece. So good work. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's some sort of uh, writing phenomenon. Like you can't truly write drama unless you can like step away from it or something like that. There's probably a theory out there that describes that. Yeah. Uh, so first he is... Uh, kidnapped by the Sandbenders. They then can't really handle them. They trade them to some random people. Um, they sell them to the... Then they sell them to the circus. And in the circus, he meets uh, this kid who reminds him a lot of Aang. Um, you know, the way he laughs and everything. The kid helps him out. The kid encourages him to leave the circus. Um, you have this terrible ring bearer person who firebends Appa, which gives Appa, like, a fear of fire. And it's... And that fear uh, is so sad, especially later when when uh, Suki has to like ward him off with it. Um, yeah. So after that, he leaves, 
That's me deep. Yeah. So after after uh, after the circus, after he escapes from there, he goes to like this barn area, eats a lot of hay there. The people there think it's a monster. They kick him out. He then eventually finds like cave-ish area. Or is that the official uh, name of porcupine? Um, yeah, sounds... I had to look it up because oh. I was very curious oh. as to what it yeah, was. Makes... Like, you know what's funny though yeah, is so... I looked that up, but I didn't look up the Momo things. But this felt like more like a bigger deal in my head, I guess. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I looked that one up. I thought it was that's, yeah, that's a... funny. It's kind of punny, even a porcupine. <laughs> that's funny. He gets in a fight with a porcupine, and it is a brutal fight. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like... graphic. It's probably one of the most brutal fights I've seen of animals. Like, there's no fight like this in Pokemon. No, like, not at all. Like, I mean, in the even, Detective Pikachu, maybe, but not in, like, other Pokemon stuff. Nah, not even. I mean, there's one point where Aqua has to, like, gnaw out the, the needles out of himself, and off camera, you hear him screaming in agony. Like, he's just been put through the ringer here and he like rolled down a hill like tumbled down a very large hill apparently um yeah just brutal very brutal eventually kiyoshi warriors find him um suki finds him like after just seeing the avatar so really this episode is doing a good job of just uh, documenting the time last that's happened because even when the Kyoshi Warriors say, like, didn't you just see the Avatar last week or so? Like, there are all these close calls happening here, which makes you as an audience member just like, oh, I'm so close. It is. It, it, the episode in general feels like it's a like that last piece of the puzzle that's all weird shape and stuff, and you don't even know there's going to be a piece for it, and it just, like, fits in really nicely. It, um, I call it tie-ins. I don't know if that's the right word, but it really does fit in extremely nicely it's almost like they were writing it on the side as they're writing these other episodes like hey what's Appa doing right now let's let's put that in there i don't know what they're, they're doing that's just my speculation but um yeah. it's really well put together like that though or at least it felt that way yeah um and then like he finally meets up with like suki but he is very standoffish against her like she has to like feed him a couple apples just to get him. And they finally clean him up. Like, I feel like the whole tone kind of changes here. Like, everything's happy. Kyoshi Warriors, are, he's all cleaned up. He's looking good, looking strong. And then, out of nowhere, Blue Fire just gets shot out. And it's Azula. And the thing is, it has been a while since the team has been confronted by Azula. Like, so Azula is still on their track, so this must happen before the drill oh, yeah. but but uh Azula is like have cilantro a... she ruins everything right, so here's a fight between the Kyoshi warriors and Azula and Mei and Tai Lee and I like this fight but there are also areas I don't I don't like the dialogue in this fight it's pretty <laughs> they're like, oh. maybe. yeah Tai Lee says like you guys are not cuter than us like uh, I don't like that line. <laughs> it's, 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 it just comes off as like catty. Like it comes off as girls fighting because they're girls and not fighting because they're warriors and yeah, and they they have opposing sides. That's how I feel about uh, so off topic, but it's actually a weird soapbox for me. 
is that I really liked the Oceans movies, but I hated Ocean 8 because I was like, why do they got to steal jewelry just because they're women? It's like, why can't they heist a casino? Let me watch that. And that's how I feel about that dialogue. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the Oceans movies. Oh, I actually do really enjoy uh, 3 out of 4. But then the women, yeah. instead been, of getting been... to do something fun, they have to steal jewelry because they're women, I guess. I don't know. It pisses me off. I've been meeting... I well, haven't been meaning. At one, at one point in my life, I've been meaning to watch the Ocean's movies, and I just never got around to it. I'm going to say it's at least worth a watch, even if you, uh, yeah, yeah. I could see you being a person that, like, maybe would never, like, watch them again, but you wouldn't not like the experience. You'd still be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that uh, was wildly off so... topic, but that is a soapbox thing <laughs> for me when I, because I don't read between the lines all that well, so if stuff hits me like that, chances are it's hitting other people a little harder still. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, they're kind of firebending at Appa and, uh, and Suki has to do like the, the terrible, but much necessary thing of warding Appa off with fire. Like it's like she has to, it's, it's, it's just a kind of a heart wrenching moment where she has to hurt a, a thing that she loves in order for it to be. And she doesn't uh, know he's going to have, like, PTSD about this. Like, she obviously is using the fire, but she, even she doesn't yeah. know that she's hurting him that bad, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I kind of just want them to... Yeah, she doesn't necessarily know. Good good point. But I always kind of wanted them to have, like, this little, like, oh, I'm sorry, Oppa. Like, I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. There's nowhere you could have fit that in anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, nowhere, but... I'm Headcanon, they did. They... Yeah, oh, they had a talk, yeah. They did. Yeah, they had later, a talk. Later on. Later yeah. on. I just want to know uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Oh, I do like the dialogue, the Azula and Suki. I like, so I like Suki and Azula's dialogue with each other. Everyone else's dialogue is horrible. But, like, when, uh, uh, you know, Suki has her fans, and uh, Azula just says, like, don't you know, fans only make flames stronger. And this is so Azula. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, I was chalking that up to when you when we first started talking about dialogue. That's yeah. one of the earlier lines. I like, like that. It's kind of corny, and it reminds me of you know how you really like the uh, the line about Azula throwing the guy into the ocean, like right when you meet Azula. Yeah, is that right when you and meet you him? didn't. Yeah, and I did. Yeah. it's a little over the top, but I get it. It's fine. I get it. No, but, yeah, the other dialogue I hate. Um, not the animation's a little different. Like, like when Tylee is like doing her chi blocking, it just looks a little, just looks a little off. I don't know why that is, but yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, uh, and then Appa, he go. I mean, Appa is just trying to track down this whole time. He's trying to track down Aang, which is a terrible. Oh, well, actually, he's a good tracker. Um, but he figures, you know what? I'll just head back to like where Appa was born, and that was in the Eastern Air Temple, where the women air nomads raised Sky Bison. And that's so sad. Like it's like returning home where there's no home. Like well, we often forget that Appa is the last Sky Bison. Like he has nothing else. Like and it's that one scene where there's that that like water thing. He tries to like chew on it. And there's just like dust, and it and he doesn't react to it well. Is that's also sad. And him going back home, I kind of took like I was already depressed. It's like it's kind of like he's given up. Like I can't find him. I'm going. I I don't know. I guess I didn't didn't find any implications that he was like tracking Aang that way. I took it as like a given up. I just go into one place where I know, I guess. I don't 
Yeah, well, he was he was tracking Aang definitely before because he went to like all the places and right, he went. Right. Um, this is, you know, I, I I get your point. It's you could definitely um, have that interpretation that he yeah, is yeah, just I like just uh, when I saw that he was going, or when when you when it's relayed that it's like, hey, he's back where he was born. It's like, oh, is he like done looking or I don't know. That's how I took it. Hmm. I mean, I think that's just the place. I think if just if Aang is gonna find him anywhere across the world, it will be possible in the Air Temple. So you know, I was just like, home base. "Hey, I'll just go home." home. Base. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so maybe it didn't have to be quite as depressing as I thought it was. Yeah, I don't think Apple is going there to die, and just like, I mean, he would. I'm sure he can live off the. Just this time, as I was watching, I was like, "Well, I don't know about die, but I was like, oh, is he just gonna? What's he gonna do?'" Uh, I don't. I don't think Apple would ever give up being with Aang. I thought you were going to say Appa would never die. I was like, no, 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 that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appa definitely does. Uh, as we learned in the Rise of Kyoshi. Let's go ham. Let's go ham. I, I kind of want to say that, like, uh, that when when uh, Air Nomad dies, the Sky Bison, I feel like they were implying the Sky Bison goes off to the wild and then just, not, not that they just die, but I feel like their life, because they're so connected, like, their life, they don't have that much more to live for. Yeah, you know? it, it's like, like, you, you it's like really old people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, my wife's funeral director, I, I get it. Yeah. You just, it's not that you go to die, it just usually happens at a faster rate. Yeah. Uh, so he finally gets to the Eastern Air Temple. He meets this guru who he is very uh, standoff against. The guru, like, eventually gets him to eat stuff. And Appa finally, like, is trusting enough, just barely enough, that he goes to sleep. And at that time... Oh, I love how the guru is just, like, sitting there, patiently waiting for Appa to feel comfortable with him. And, like, he just has his eyes closed, but he's, like, looking. <laughs> kind of like, all right, he's still not ready. And, okay, he's ready now. And I love this moment where he goes and kind of just reads his aura or reads his spirit is like yes you have a lot to love in you but fear has moved in the place of trust like oh for some reason love the guru in, the, in this in this episode in this case and in hindsight um, now, being able to cool read knowing what the guru like just knowing the greater role he plays too so like at first time yeah. seeing it you're like yeah it's kind of weird but watching yeah, it was again, random like, oh, guy <laughs> yeah but uh, no, it's really cool seeing him the second time through or the third time through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So eventually, you know, Appa is really friendly with him, and he pretty much he can direct Appa to Aang's energy and his location uh, because Appa and Aang's like spirits are like intertwined, or their energies are intertwined. Um, <clears throat> yeah. uh, he does tell him like, "Please give this." I love how he asks Appa like, "May I attach this to your horn?" And then Appa like gives an agreement. I just love to respect the group of T cast for Appa. And uh, he says that like, oh, I had a vision that I was gonna help the Avatar out, which I think is interesting because like so many people have visions and they don't. The result isn't what you expect. Like Iroh had a vision he was gonna conquer Ba Sing Se. He did not do that. He ended up uh, liberating Ba Sing Se from the Fire Nation. The group of T has a vision that he is going to help the Avatar. His training did not help the Avatar Spoiler at all. It, yeah. yeah, his training did not help the Avatar necessarily. Um, which I don't think it really 
I guess it, it helped. But Aang didn't, didn't follow the last advice that he gave him. And that, so, to me, that doesn't count. I was going to say, that kind of defines what makes Aang uh, especially different at the end as an avatar. Like, just uh, being tethered. For, it's a different conversation for a different day, but just refusing to, to uh, disconnect from his earthly tether, so to speak. I don't know. It, it's fun. That's a, that'll be a fun conversation when the time happens. <laughs> but excellent point. Destiny's being fulfilled in unsuspecting yeah. ways. Yes, which is I think is a common theme throughout the show. Yeah. Um, so they do they do a great job at you know going back through these things and reassuring them. Uh, so then Appa leaves. He's finally finally in Bossing Say, in the same city that Aang is in. Uh, and then he is taken by Long Fei, and he leaves that one print that we see from uh, from Momo's tale. <clears throat> yeah, I, so I that, that's why this that cilantro line earlier on Azula. I probably should have saved it for Long Fei. Yeah, yeah, Long Fei is the worst. Although, I mean, I like Long Fei enough as a villain. He's he uh, he's interesting political wise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's a jerk, but yeah, I get it. It's a it's an interesting <laughs> crux to the story that when I was watching through the first time, I was not at all expecting, and he is obviously yeah. the driver of that. So, yeah. Um, gosh, that's depressing. That's when you have the most hope. Like he's healthy. Exactly, he's got the yeah. direction. He's got the <laughs> note on his horn. He's yeah at bossing say. He's a, yeah, and you're so full and of then, hope. And then, broke your just, spirit. Rejected. This rug. Yeah. Pulled right from under you. Literal. And in, in opposite sense. Yeah, actually. Uh, Alright. Very literal. Yeah. Good catch. Good call. My ratings. Idle visual. Seven and a half. I don't really think there was that much going on here. So, just a seven and a half. Uh, story. Got an eight. Um, and I, I'd probably say that because you could probably take out a lot of this and... Actually, think about it. You can't take out the Suki versus um, Azula fight, but it does feel still feels more disconnected from uh, from the rest of the show. Yeah, it's an eight. Memorable an eight. This one of those episodes where I don't have to watch it, but it's for like a good reason. Like it's a great episode, but it's like ah, I gotta watch Hopeless Lost Days again. <laughs> My heart's gotta... not in the right spot to watch this today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that brings me out to 7.8 out of 10 I gotta admit I was surprised I thought you would think more highly of this one personally I like I knew the first one I knew we'd be different but this one I didn't expect us to be too far off and we weren't as far off but um, audio visual same thing you said it's not that there's a ton of exciting stuff going on here it's a good average whatever uh, interesting landscapes and you get to see a diversity of things I guess Story, I thought this is a very good standalone story. Um, you know, it just, uh, I don't know, it's it, like a very nice, unique story, but you get a full story out of thing. It's a very sad, disappointing ending, but still a very good, well-told, singular story. And then I find this one very memorable, too. Not as memorable as the previous one, uh, but when I stop and think about episodes in the entire series that just stand out for various reasons... Uh, this is one that comes to mind. Again, maybe not for, like you said, maybe not for like good reasons, more for depressing reasons. Uh, but hey, it's got whatever that X factor is that you want to call it. It has it. 
it's one I think about a lot. And that rounds out to an 8.4. So uh, brings us to an 8.1. Uh, pretty respectable, probably not as interesting or as divisive um, as the previous episode, but still very unique in the greater series, in the length of time it covers subject matter. You're getting a very linear story of just one character. Normally we're fighting uh, you know, plot A and subplot. When I saw this episode first, I probably didn't have the same sense of time or like time and dread that you did, so to speak, because I was like just back to back to back one after the other on DVDs. Um, so I probably didn't have that same sense of dread, but I still remember hitting to this one. And, you know, just, I don't know if I, I don't want to say like forgetting about Appa, but you don't expect him to get his own episode. You kind of just expect him to stumble onto him at the very end of some other episode, I guess. You don't expect something like this. So I was very caught off guard. And that was my first experience. Like I said, probably missed some of the drama that you had to put up with, but um, still caught me, even that being said. Uh, and this was the quote that I chose. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, I really like it. He's like talking to the kids. He's like, it's, uh, and seek to restore honor. And then the guy's like, when I'm through with you, they're going to be much more than. So, I don't remember what he says. And then he like so the takes quote, off. And, like, so the quote is like so you actually teams. say it. So. Uh, the quote is: "It is usually best to admit mistakes when they occur, and seek to restore honor, but not this time." Run. And then, <laughs> yeah, they do run in like a very comedic, like, yeah, like Looney, Looney Tunes, Tunes, like the feet like, moving before the body, kind of. yeah, or uh, like a Scooby Doo kind of run. I can't remember what the big <laughs> guy in the window says. But props to your impression there. Nine out of ten on the Iro impression. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, room for improvement. For the, well, I mean, there's there's usually room for improvement. But nine. Hey, you got a higher score than either of these episodes did for me, but not than the first episode <laughs> did for you. I'm still surprised by that. But uh, they had for being only out of these out of both these episodes, Iro's in like five minutes maybe. And I had several quotes to choose from, so that was kind of telling. Uh, yeah. 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 But uh, I, I keep, I just keep coming back to, I'm glad we paired these together because they're both so unusual. And after this, we kind of get back on track of not, not everything as usual, but at least in terms of episode style, I guess, or episode structure, maybe structure is a better word. Mm. So these two are, yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we forgot to mention in, um, in Applesauce days, um, Apple flies over Iroh, and Iroh sees him, and uh, he kind of makes the, like, huh. And Zuko says, what is it, Uncle? And he says nothing. Because <laughs> he knows, like, going after the Avatar is not where Zuko needs to be right I now. I completely, I 1,000% forgot about that. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, oh, that's very interesting. Uncle trying to help shape Zuko's destiny with some some manual work <laughs> whatever Zuko if you really wanted to chase the avatar you'd have been watching so uh, no I totally forgot about that that's very interesting um, other thoughts on these two episodes final uh, words of wisdom no, no other thoughts on these two episodes uh, real quick I want to just quickly talk about uh, a little bit of news not really news uh, but the, the most latest comic book of Avatar came out today. It's called Imbalance Part 3. So it's the end of this Imbalance series, which really started like a whole new 
comic line, or at least it was a new artist and a new writer um, for the for the Avatar comics, and it was actually pretty good. Um, a lot of the, a lot of comics I don't enjoy all that as much as you know nearly as much as I enjoy the show because I think a lot of it is just like leftover things that aren't that huge. But and this is kind of like that also. Um, but I think they tackle a lot of issues specifically. They talk. I think they tackle a lot of racial. Uh, issues in this comic book um and they don't have like a clear answer for it which i find that interesting um, especially in this dynamic because it's like benders versus non-benders um but definitely i recommend reading imbalance well sure there's imbalance part one two and three like all the other ones will come out with a big trade paperback not trade paperback will be a big big form my goal is to hit those in between uh in between series so in between uh, Avatar and the Legend of Korra if we take any kind of not a break, you know, we'll continue producing something um, but if we take a, a few weeks of doing something different in there, that would be my goal is to fit those in there uh, which brings me sadly to that other point of, I'm going to call it Doomsday uh, just around the corner I think we have four more episodes in this season and I have to make do on my uh, long, long since made promise <laughs> watching the movie but i think uh i do have some uh some minor ideas of like maybe live streaming kind of you know we can't live stream the movie itself but we can sort of live stream our reactions and be picking up a little background noise from the movie add some context via editing or whatever um i'm dreading it slash looking forward to it for the sake of comedy and that's really it so that's that's coming up soon uh we'll we'll find a date and I'll get over it. But yeah. uh, hey, comic. New one. Latest latest issue out today. That's it for now. Oh, out yesterday because people probably hear it. Or whenever. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's out. When you listen to this, it's out. Yes. We can definitively sure. I read it. We can definitively say that. Um thanks for joining us. Uh one day early this week probably back to the usual day next time in two weeks when we will do either one or two more episodes. I don't know if we've really talked about it yet before we get to the very big, very excellent finale of book two moving way too fast for my taste, but that's okay. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining me. I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Everybody else. Thank you for listening and for talking to us on Twitter, Twitter and Facebook. Please keep interacting with us. It's very meaningful and yeah, we need to get a Facebook. We need to get a Facebook. Chris, you get on that, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, if you, what we need to do is get, get an Instagram and then connect it to a Facebook, so it'll just like auto post across both, and then you can use what's called an applet and have it post to a Twitter as well. We can have like all three, but just post one time and be kind of lazy, because um, you know I'm kind of lazy. But anyways, uh, keep interacting with us. We really appreciate it. And it's, I don't know, it just feels good to know that people are listening to this. So thanks for watching and listening, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks.